the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. And uh, let's get started. Today we're talking about why are Christians sick? If God is so good, why are Christians sick? And then obviously by extension, how can you be free from that sickness and disease? How can you be free from that sickness and disease? Um, Right off the bat, And obviously, that's why we started yesterday, uh, by the way, with the nature of God. And if you didn't get a chance to see yesterday's broadcast, I want to encourage you to go back and watch it because uh, yesterday's broadcast is foundational, that it's hard to walk in, in divine healing and health if you don't understand the nature and character of God. If you think that uh, sometimes God uses sickness to tempt you or to test you or to strengthen you or to punish you, then when sickness comes to your life, there will be confusion as to whether or not you should believe for healing or deliverance because what if God sent it? What if God's trying to teach you a lesson? What if he's trying to uh, punish you? What if he's trying to guide you or make you believe or strengthen your faith in him? And so if you have that mindset that sometimes sickness is from God, then it will hinder you from receiving healing and deliverance. And many people stay sick, by the way, because of that one thing, is that they don't understand the character and the nature of God. That's why I took a whole broadcast yesterday, basically, to deal with that one thought, that you've got to understand the character and nature of God so that you always know sickness is evil and healing and deliverance comes only from God. And the reason I say that, and this is where we can start today in the book of James, Because this is a vital, vital principle for people to get. Good morning, Pamela. Listen to this. James chapter 1, I'll read you three verses of scripture. The Bible says in verses 6 through 8, But let him who asks, ask in faith, without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed. You hear that? By the wind, driven and tossed. If you doubt, you're driven and tossed. Verse seven, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. So I want you to catch that. The reason that the enemy wants to plant these thoughts of, of confusion into your mind. Well, maybe that's God making you sick. Maybe that this is an, a lesson. Maybe that this is a punishment. Maybe this is a test. And, and maybe God's doing it for his own special purposes. The reason that the enemy wants to plant those thoughts into your mind is because it causes you to become double-minded. And according to the book of James, when you're asking God for something, you have to ask him in faith without doubting. And it's impossible to ask in faith without doubting if you're not even sure whether you should receive healing. Because now you're, as you're asking, you're thinking, well, is this even for me? I've not met one Christian that doesn't believe God can heal. They all have the same question. Yeah, well, I know he can heal, but will he heal me? That's always the issue. I know he can heal. I know he's a healer, but will he heal me? 
And if you if you get caught in this trap of not understanding the character and nature of God, it will keep you in this in this whirlwind of never receiving. Because the Bible says it causes people to become double-minded, and when they ask, they should not expect to receive any answers. God's looking for faith when you request. He's looking for faith when you call, and he answers faith. He doesn't answer doubt or unbelief. And so that's why we took the whole broadcast yesterday to deal with the character and the nature of God. He's a loving and a good heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts to those who ask him. And by the way, healing is a good gift. Sickness is never a good gift, ever. It is one of the things, one of the elements that steals from you, that kills you, and that destroys you ultimately. We dealt with that, how, you know, even medical bills after a person's dead that are, that are hanging on the rest of the family and they're sitting there trying to struggle through to make the payments. It destroys the whole family. Sickness and disease is evil. And it's from the devil. It entered into the world through sin. There was no, by the way, there was no sickness or disease in the Garden of Eden. God did not create it when he created Adam and Eve, and they were not created as sick and diseased beings. So it's not from God. It was not his original intention for man, and it's not his intention now. And so I want you to understand this. When sin entered into the world, by the way, I'm going to give you something that that should end this debate for the rest of your life. (laughs) When sin entered into the world through uh, Adam's disobedience, through his rebellion, and then the nature of sin entered into the world, that is when sickness and disease and death entered into the world. So sickness and disease are a consequence of sin. Sickness and disease are a consequence of sin. So the reason I'm saying that is if you believe that God uses the power of sickness and disease to teach you a lesson or to punish you or to test you, then you are, what you're actually believing is that God uses the power of sin on his children because sickness and disease are a, a direct result of the power of sin. And, and our God is holy, our God is good, and our God does not use evil things to test his children or to punish his children. And so you cannot believe God's the author of sickness and disease ever. He's not the author of it. He's the author of healing, health, miracles, and deliverance. And so need to go back and watch that broadcast if you missed it. But today, we want to get into this talking about the power of healing and why Christians are still sick if God is so good. Well, the first thing you, you, we need to see also is healing is not an automatic thing. It doesn't happen automatically the moment you get saved. It can, but it, it, it's not automatic. There are many Christians that are sick and suffering. It doesn't mean that God's not good, and it doesn't mean that he's not a healer, and it doesn't mean that he's not still healing today, and it doesn't mean that miracles and, and the, the power of divine healing don't exist. None of those things are proven by the fact that Christians are sick. It just proves that Christians have not taken a hold of their covenant that they have with Christ. And so we're going to cover today some of the reasons that Christians are battling sicknesses and diseases and how they can be free from those sicknesses and diseases. One of the things that I think is is very important to understand is that your physical body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes today or, or, or writing in the comments, I want you to write this today. My body is the temple of God. Thank you, Paul. I want you to write it. 
My body is the temple of God. Every person that's watching, comment in the comment section. My body is the temple of God. Hallelujah. And that's what Paul taught the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, and, and let me read to you verses 18 through the end of the chapter. He said, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Verse 19, so important. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. That's right. Write it in the comments. My body is the temple of God. My body is the temple of God. It is the temple of God. So I want you to understand this. With the temple of God, you've got to treat it. I always, I always encourage people to think this way. If Jesus was going to come stay at your house for any, any period of time and you knew he was coming, and he said, listen, I'm going to stay with you as a guest, you would not prepare uh, you know, a, a, an air mattress in the damp basement of your house <laughs> to say just, yeah, hope, uh, you know, hope you have a good night's sleep. You know, it's like cold and damp and wet, you know, down in the basement on an air mattress and, you know, or just give him a blanket and a pillow to sleep on the cement floor. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. So I want you to understand. Amen. That, that's right, Kim. It, it is a, it's a Christmas message. Christ did it. I love that. It's, under, it's important to understand you wouldn't put Christ in the basement of your house. You wouldn't throw him down there with a blanket and a pillow like he was in solitary confinement. If Christ was coming to stay at your house, then you would prepare the nicest room. If it were me, I'd be honest with you. If it were me, I would, I would redo the entire place. I would make sure the newest, best, freshest stuff was in the room. I'd make sure he had everything he wanted. I'd make sure it was the best bed, the best mattress, the best sheets, the best pillows. I would make sure everything was freshly painted. I would make sure everything was freshly carpeted. If Christ was coming to stay in my house. Yet people do not take care of their physical bodies which the Holy Spirit is staying in. So think about this today, that your body is the temple of God. So he literally is staying in your house. He's staying in the house of your body. But people don't use that same care in their body that they would if Jesus was coming to stay at their house. People don't use that same care and because there's not a ton of teaching on the fact that your body is the house of God. Your body is the house of God. And so this, this physical body has to be taken care of. As Paul was teaching, he said, not only that, don't, don't engage in, in sins that are sins against your own body. And it ex explains why. Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's why we don't, you know, uh, commit sexual sins outside of marriage. We're not sleeping with prostitutes and we're not sleeping with people that aren't our husband or wife or sleeping with our boyfriend and girlfriend because Paul taught it's a sin against your physical body. And you don't want to do that. Your physical body is the house or the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we always stop there, but keep on going further with that th same thought process to find out well, what, what is it that's causing Christians to be sick. They are not taking care of their physical bodies. And I know that doesn't sound extremely spiritual, but let me ask you a question. How many people across America and around the world are struggling and, in, and they're in physical issues 
because they've not used wisdom with their physical bodies. You know, America, for for example, the United States of America, I'll pick on us because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a United States citizen. But you, you, you think about this, how, how much people in this nation have just allowed their bodies to be abused by their own choices. And we're one of the only nations in the world that has childhood obesity. We're one of the only nations in the world that has this level of obesity. And, and, and you're starting to see, and I'm not coming down on those people. What I'm saying is, is that it's something that happens that destroys the physical body that actually becomes a thing that can cause you sickness, disease. I can't tell you how many people I've prayed for in the prayer line that it wasn't a spirit of infirmity that, that tried to attack them and it wasn't some spirit of sickness, disease, but it was literally a result of the choices they had made with their physical body that put them in a place of sickness and disease. And uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. If you were to start to look at some of the statistics, they're telling us that by next year, they projected 2020, that one third of Americans would have type two diabetes. Well, what's the cause of that is that people are not using wisdom and people are not taking care of their physical body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, people say, well, you know, God you know, God, and I've heard people jokingly, jokingly say, you know, well, we prayed over the meal. I'm believing God's going to take all the calories, you know, out of the meal. Lord bless this to our body. I've been, I've been jokingly praying, you know, over my meal. If I ever do go somewhere like, uh, you know, some fast food place or whatever worth people, I'll say, Lord, if you can bless this food to our bodies, it's like so bad, you know, but people aren't using, using wisdom with that. And uh, I've, I've dealt with so many people and prayed for them that it wasn't a spirit of infirmity or some demon attacking their body. It was literally a lack of wisdom and, and a lack of care for the temple of the Holy Spirit. It would be like if you took a hammer every single night when you went home and laid your thumb on the table and just continued to bash your thumb every single night with that hammer. And then as you're doing it, praying, Lord, heal my, heal my thumb, Lord, heal my thumb, Lord, heal my thumb. But you keep on bashing it with the hammer. Well, obviously God wants your thumb to be healed, but he also wants you to use wisdom and stop bashing your thumb. And so it's the same. It's the same with our physical bodies. One of the reasons that many are, many are struggling, many are hurting is because of, of the, this natural aspect of not taking care of their physical body. If you understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know, that he gave you ab uh, the ability and the wisdom to exercise, to eat properly. You know, the, the, it's very interesting that there was a, a diet God even had for his people in the Old Testament. And uh, I don't think it had to just do with types and shadows or spiritual points that he was trying to make. But now that people have studied what God had his people eat, you know, it's, it's, it's more wisdom than anything else. It's divine wisdom. You know, fasting, God gave us the instruction to fast. And, you know, now it's, it's only all these thousands of years later that, that doctors are figuring out all of these benefits of fasting. It's, it's really amazing when you start to study it. All these benefits now from fasting, it resets your system. Uh, they're saying now that stem cells are reproduced uh, after a 48-hour total fast. I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of health benefits that they've found uh, for fasting. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's because God's got divine wisdom. He knew this from the very beginning. He created your body. And so he was teaching his people that there should be times of fasting and prayer throughout your life.
And it's supernatural as well as natural. And God, God, with all divine wisdom, gave us these instructions. Remember this, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you've got to take care of it. You've got to use wisdom. In this, you know, it's funny because we, we teach and preach wisdom with every other subject. You know, use wisdom on what you allow into your mind. You know, don't watch those types of things. Don't listen to those types of things. Don't read those types of things. Use wisdom on what comes into your mind. Use wisdom about your spirit. We even use it with finances. Use wisdom financially. You know, set a budget. You know, get people harp on that stuff. Use wisdom. Be a good steward. But we need to be a good steward of our physical bodies. This body that God has given us, it's a gift from God. It is a gift from God. I mean, you know, that's why the Bible talks about there, there is an actual sin of gluttony. But did you ever stop to think? I don't, and I don't think anybody really has, and I, I didn't for years. Why? You know, you start to think to yourself, why is it that gluttony would even be considered a sin? Why would eating too much, you know, be considered a sin? Well, when you go back and compare it to what the Bible says about our physical bodies, being the temple of the Holy Spirit or the house of God, you start to realize why it's a harmful thing. Because now the the sin that you're sinning against your own body and gluttony killing you literally internally to the outside, you start to realize why it is sinful. It is an abuse of the house of God. It's an abuse of the temple of God. I mean, there's nobody watching me right now that would literally go into their church with spray paint and spray paint all the walls inside the church or come in with a blowtorch and burn the church or, or, or take an axe and just chop holes in the drywall of the church sanctuary. No, nobody would do that. I mean, there's nobody watching me that serves God that would abuse the house of God that way. But at the same time, there's many people in the church and around the world that are abusing the temple of God, and they're not doing it in that way, but they're doing it to their physical body. And so we have to keep in mind, number one, Yes, God wants us healthy. Yes, God wants us whole. Yes, God wants us healed. But he's also given us wisdom. He's also given us the mind of Christ. He has also given us his word. And so we understand that there are steps we can take, just like there's steps we can take to be free from uh, issues of the mind, depression, anxiety, lust, whatever it might be. There's steps we can take to be powerful in the spirit. There are steps we can take to be blessed financially. In the same way, there are steps we can take to walk in healing and health for the rest of our lives. And it's interesting too, I was listening to um, Pastor Mac Hammond, and uh, he was he was with uh, Brother Mark Hankins. We were at one of the minister's meetings, and Pastor Mac Hammond was giving the testimony about how God healed him of cancer. And uh, he said, uh, I, I, I was diagnosed with cancer and I, I started to pray and ask the Lord, would you heal me, heal me, heal me? And uh, he said, I was talking to the Lord back and forth. And the Lord said something interesting to Pastor Mac Hammond. He said, I'm going to heal you of cancer. But after I heal you of cancer, my direction for you, my instruction for you is that you cut sugar completely out of your diet, cut sugar out of your diet. And so uh, he didn't understand why the Lord was saying that. And then when he did some study, and now they're, they're saying more than ever, that sugar, you know, pure sugar, it is actually something that gives life 
or feeds cancer cells. And uh, obviously something God never created. You know, God didn't create refined bleached sugar. You know, he created sugar cane and fruit. He didn't create refined bleached sugar. And, uh, and so uh, he began to speak to him. And he didn't know that, but the Lord told him by the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to heal you of cancer. But when I heal you, my instruction to you is that you cut sugar out of your diet. And once he, he began to study, he understood why God was giving him that instruction is to keep his body and use wisdom by keeping his body in a place where he would not give uh, entrance to some of these things that make people sick, that are making people uh, die, literally. Do you realize more people are dying in America now because of heart disease and these uh, diseases that are related to overeating and a poor diet than anything else. It's insane. And it's a plot of the devil. I mean, I I don't have, I'm not going to get into it and, you know, people can call it conspiracy theory, whatever they want. I'm not going to get into the the whole subject of it, but we're coming to the end of time. And uh, literally, the devil does not want a strong church. He wants a weakened church. He doesn't want a strong population. He wants a weakened population. Have you ever stopped to think about all the things that are happening to set us up for the end times? Like literally all the things that are taking place in society to set the world up for the end times. They've actually written articles about the dumbing of America. How they've, they've given up. They recently gave a, a set of tests to a group of high school seniors that you used to have to be able to pass to get out of the eighth grade and 90 some percent of the seniors failed the test and that there's just more propaganda than ever. It's not actual teaching. They've changed the history books, common core curriculums gotten into our schools. They're changing everything. It's not just a dumbing of America, but more and more people that are on aid that need the government to continue to survive. All of these things are putting us in position for government control in the end times. That should, that should not be considered conspiracy theory by any Christian. Anyone that understands Bible prophecy should understand that there will be a one world government that will be able to take total control over the population and then the Antichrist will rise to power. You understand that from Bible prophecy. So, you know, these things that are taking place, you know, it it makes total sense that there would be a weakening of America. Let me just give you a quick rundown so that you understand why this this is happening. Number one, why would there need to be a weakening of people in a strong nation? Why would there need to be a weakening of the population? Well, the more people that can be under uh, this sickness and disease and need help, what are they going to need? They're going to need insurance coverage. They're going to need the government. Many of them need government assistance, and many of them need hospitals to take care of these issues. Now they're on these medications. Now they need pharmaceutical prescriptions. Now they've got to go in and everything has to be approved. So the more we become dependent on these systems, the more we are controlled. What if they told people, I mean, like literally, let me just give you, and I'm not teaching on this today, I'm gonna get back on to to healing, but I'm gonna show you why. Because people don't believe it's true. You know, why do you think they didn't have these same things 50 years ago? Why do you think they didn't have autism like they had now, 50 years ago? Why do you think there wasn't chronic depression like there was that like there is now 50 years ago? Why do you think the cancer rates have increased? Why do you think type 2 diabetes has increased now than what it was 50 years ago? Why do you think that these things are just ramping up? Has the world changed that much in 50 years? Yes. What they're doing, obviously, all of the GMOs that are in foods. I mean, how many of you that are old, older? 
that are watching me on the broadcast? How many of you that are older actually uh, remember being in your 20s and 30s and hearing anything about glutens and gluten uh, reactions in people's bodies being uh, allergic to glutens? And, you know, that's stuff that you never heard about. You never heard about that stuff. What's happening in our nation and around the world is that the world is on track for this end time Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And it's not just going to happen because someone stands up and takes control. It's going to happen because there will be a population that is dependent upon the government, upon systems, hospitals, insurance, medication, and it's going to be a dependent population. And let me tell you something. What if, you know, because people say, well, if they tried to give that mark of the beast today, I'd never accept it. What are you going to do? What are people are going to do when the government says that you have to take this mark? And people say, no, they say, well, if you don't, no more government assistance for you, no more medical care for you, no more welfare checks for you, no more food stamps for you. There's not going to be any more insurance coverage for you unless you take this mark. What are people going to do then? They're going to jump on it and they're going to grab hold of it. Why? Because they're dependent. And the same thing's happening right now. This is the beginning stages that people are being made sick all over the world and around this nation by things that they should have never consumed. You know what the cheapest food is? The worst food. The cheapest food to eat is the worst food for you. That's why they, you know, if you've ever heard anybody um, talk about, you know, how you should shop at the grocery store. And the reason I'm covering this is because I've seen too many Christians that have gotten sick and diseased and it has nothing to do with a spirit of infirmity. It has everything to do with the fact that they've abused the temple of the Holy Spirit. They've abused the temple of the Holy Spirit. So they tell you when you go to the grocery store, best thing you can do is shop the outside perimeter of the grocery store where there's fresh produce and, you know, all that stuff, fresh meats and, you know, whatever. And then the inside of the grocery store, all the packaged foods, all of the uh, uh, foods that have been preserved, all that stuff with the GMOs and the chemicals. But what's the issue? What's the problem for most people is that the cheapest foods to buy are the worst foods to buy and the worst foods to eat. And so what do we do? We've got a population of, of people that have, uh, are battling poverty and, and people that are poor. But what are they doing? Because they're in that, it's a nonstop cycle. Yes, we're, not only are you in poverty, we're going to make the cheapest food available to you, the worst food for you, so that not only are you in poverty, but we're going to mess with your physical body so that you'll always be dependent. It's, it's a demonic antichrist system to keep people in a place of poverty and sickness and disease, and it's something that the antichrist agenda has set up in the earth to control a population. That is not conspiracy theory. That is end times Bible prophecy. I agree with Carol. If people would just cut out sugar, they'd be much healthier, much, much healthier. That's why there's such a, a, a craze going on with the ketogenic diet right now that is something that was actually created for diabetics is actually taking over the population. People are jumping on it all over America. There's even so much so that restaurants are now creating menus around it. Why? They're realizing that the, the damaging effects of sugar and, and, uh, and carbohydrates in our physical bodies. And it's something that people have not been taught. They've been taught lies. So that, I mean, I could tell you some things that blow your mind. But like you, there's a book, if you go to go read it, there's a book called Salt, Sugar, Fat about how they tried to get these, uh, the corporations that produce foods for the grocery stores to actually take a look at this 
uh, obesity epidemic and childhood obesity epidemic. And do you know what? After they had a meeting, they just decided, you know what? If we made any changes, it would just so drastically affect our bottom line profits that we're just going to keep things the way they are. People, corporations don't care about the public. Corporations don't care about the population. They care about money. They care about profits. They don't care about your health or your health care. Healthcare is a business. And they want, if there were no sick people, they couldn't make any money. So what's the best business principle to have? Make people sick. Make people, put people in a place where they need medical care. And this, I'm telling you, if you think this stuff is conspiracy theory, you don't understand the, the antichrist agenda that's in the world today to make people sick. And I'm telling you, we as Christians, more than ever before, have to take wisdom steps to step out and do what is best for our physical bodies that are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the temple. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I've watched powerful, powerful people, powerful people. I look back through Pentecostal history and look at men of God that their bodies were destroyed because they didn't care. for the, Look at Jack Coe, one of the most powerful men of God in the Voice of Healing movement. I mean, tens of thousands of people came to hear him preach. He would have mighty creative miracles. I mean, mighty creative miracles and died, I believe, before he was 40 years old because he did not take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's that, that kind of stuff has run through the body of Christ for years, and it's not God's desire, and it's not God's plan. It is, it's demonic. It's demonic to destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit. The devil, keep this in mind, the devil hates you and he hates your physical body. And the reason, let me, let me say this, the reason that the devil hates your physical body is because your body was created in the likeness and in the image of God. Your body was created in the likeness and in the image of God. What does that mean? It means that the thing the devil wishes he could be and cannot, you already are. And every time the devil looks at you, he sees, he sees what he wished he could have been. He sees what uh, God made you that he can never be. And now he's angry and wants to kill you and destroy you for taking the place that he wishes he could stand in. And so it's interesting. You need to make better decisions. I need to make better decisions. And at large, we need to use wisdom when it comes to the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that if we would just use Bible wisdom, literally, if we would just use Bible wisdom with our physical bodies, then we would understand that the prayer lines in our, in our revival services would be much, much shorter, much, much shorter. There'd be far less people standing in with prayer requests if we would just use wisdom godly wisdom that we can find in his word moderation i mean you know you read through the book of proverbs and look what it says even honey don't eat honey until it makes you sick but take a little a little for the taste i mean you go right through moderation in all things you look through the word of god people you know fasting is is something god instituted <laughs> Jesus said this, the Pharisees came and said, how come your disciples don't fast? He said, you don't fast when the bridegroom is with you. He said, but I'm going to be taken away. And when I'm taken away from the earth, my disciples will fast. They will fast, which means if you're a disciple of Christ today, there should be times throughout your life, times throughout your year that you're spending time in fasting and prayer. 
And these are things God has set up literally for the healing of your physical body. Let me read you Isaiah chapter 58 in case you don't, you don't know the reference that I'm making here. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, speaking of fasting and prayer, these are the benefits. Verse 8, then will your light break forth like the morning or the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. You see that just through fasting and prayer. One of the supernatural benefits of fasting and prayer, according to the prophet Isaiah, is that your healing and your health will spring forth speedily. That's a promise of God. That as you take time to fast and pray, do you know what I've seen happen? I've seen this happen, that people who could not get free from addictions for years, they say, what should I do? Fast and pray. People that could not get off of cigarettes, I mean, all kinds of things, fast and pray. As they fasted and prayed, that bondage, that yoke of bondage was broken and never again went back to those addictions. Sickness and disease. It is an attack of the devil. People say, why are Christians sick? If God's so good. You know, we, we act like, it's funny to me. You know, people, you talk about God as though he's this guy in heaven who's just forcing everything upon everybody. He's forcing everything upon everybody. That's not how God is. God doesn't force his desires on men and women. You know, God desires the entire world to be saved. The Bible tells us so in multiple places. He's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, that's God's nature. That's his desire. Are all people going to be saved? No. The Bible says that the, the, the way to salvation, it's a straight and it's a narrow path and few there be that find it. So that means that only a few of the, uh, if you looked at a ratio, like just today, right? If you looked at today's society, okay? They say there's 7.7 billion people on the earth. Only 1.2 to 1.4 billion of those 7.7 represent people who call Jesus Lord. And the majority of those are Roman Catholics. The the majority of the 1.2 to 1.4 billion are Roman Catholics. So, you know, look at the population even on the earth today. Subtract the 1.2 billion and you still have 6.5 billion people that would go to hell today that are alive on the earth if Jesus came and if the the world ended today. Of the 7.7, 6.5 to 6.3 would go to hell today if Jesus came. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's a straight path, it's a narrow path, and few there be that find it. But we know it's God's desire that all men be saved. But all men will not be saved because God doesn't force his desires on any man. And in the same way, he's not going to force healing, deliverance, or miracles on people either. Say, well, God knows my need. The people say this. Well, you know, God knows knows what I need. And, you know, when he sees fit, you know, he'll bring healing in my life. He sees fit, you know, he'll, he'll bring my deliverance. That's not how God operates. That's not how he works. It's not how it works. He operates by faith. Faith is the currency that initiates the power of God. Faith is the currency that initiates the power of God. I want you to write it in the comments section. Every person watching, whether YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, whatever, put it in. Faith is the currency that initiates the power of God. Faith is the currency that initiates the power of God. Please write it in the comments section. Every person watching. 
Faith is the currency that initiates the power of God. I'm going to read you Hebrews chapter 11. Once again, the sixth verse. Faith is the currency that initiates the power of God. Pop in the comments. Listen to this. The Bible says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever, uh, for, uh, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So understand that God is a rewarder. He takes good things and rewards people with them when they approach him by faith, take actions of faith. That's right. Pop it in the comments. Faith is the currency that initiates the power of God. Faith is the currency that initiates the power of God. It is the currency. So catch this with me today. You've got to understand it. God desires to reward his people. God desires to reward his people with healing. That's why Jesus died and shed his blood, not just for the remission of sins, but to bring divine healing to God's people. Took stripes upon his back. And Peter said, by those stripes, we were healed. 1 Peter 2.24. By those stripes, we were healed. Keep writing it. Faith is the currency that initiates the power of God. Faith is the currency. So when we operate by faith, anytime we obey the word of God, we are operating by faith. Whenever we obey the word of God, we're operating by faith. I saw a great quote the other day on um, Instagram, I believe it was. And it said, stop trying to believe the word of God and just obey the word of God. Stop trying to believe the word of God and just obey the word of God. The reason that that meme is so true is because it is your obedience to the word of God that proves you believe the word of God. It is your obedience to the word of God that proves you believe the word of God. In fact, that's exactly right, Rodney. I coined that term recently, about a year ago. Uh, God wants us to learn by instruction, not by destruction. By instruction, by destruction. That's why he wants his word to be preeminent in our lives. So that it is the thing that we follow as our guidebook for life. Amen, Jack. God desires to reward people with healing and miracles. Healing and miracles. So understand this. It is this action of faith. And that's why that meme said, stop trying to believe the word of God and just obey the word of God. And I know I just asked you to write something, but I want you to write one more thing because this, to me, this is life-changing. My obedience to God's word proves I believe it. I want you to write that in the comments and never, ever forget that. My obedience to God's word proves that I believe it. Thank you, Carol. Thank you very much. Love you. My obedience to God's word proves that I believe it. That's what I want you to put in the comment section because that is such a vital principle to understand. My obedience to God's word proves I believe it. That's the key. You can say, that's why, what you, that's why James, James wrote in his, in his letter, in his epistle, he said, faith without works is dead, being alone. He said, show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. 
My obedience to God's word proves that I believe it. Pop it in the comments. Proves that I believe it. So catch, catch this. This is such a powerful thought process. When I obey God's word, it is my proof that I have faith that what God said is true. And then he rewards me for my obedience with the things that he's already prepared for my life. And no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no heart has imagined the things God has prepared and set aside for those that love him. That's 1 Corinthians 2.9. 1 Corinthians 2.9. That's right. My obedience to God's word proves that I believe it. It proves it. And so we ask the question, well, if God's so good, I get this all the time. If God's so good, brother, why are Christians sick? One of the reasons and one of the main reasons that Christians battle sickness is because they refuse to take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. They refuse to use wisdom and obey God's word. And so their bodies are suffering because they have not looked at their body as what it is, God's. I love how Paul said that to the church in Corinth. He said, you don't belong to yourself. You were bought with a price and you're not your own. That's what he said. You're not your own. When you get that understanding that I am not my own, let me tell you a story that happened to me. I was in Bible school back when brother Kenneth Hagin was still alive. And um, one of the most powerful things ever being able to sit under his teaching as he was in those classes and in those services and brother Kenneth Hagin was alive and we were in one of our uh, winter camp meetings in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And as we were there, the, the team got up to, to sing and there was a song we used to sing back then. You might, you might remember this, this worship song, but uh, the lyrics to the, the worship song are, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Uh, I believe I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, have your way in me. That was the worship song we sang. Lord, I give, Lord, I give you my heart, give you my soul. Uh, I live for you alone. That was the song they were singing. So as the team, I mean, there's like 5,000, 6,000 people there. As they're singing that song, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, Brother Hagin just came walking over to the pulpit and took the microphone. And it was literally a correction and a rebuke. But he was making this point that Paul made in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And he said, we're singing this song. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. He said, but you can't do that. He said, you can't give him your heart. You can't give him your soul. He said, you don't, he said, you don't even own it. He said, you can't give him something that's not yours to give. And, and, he, and then he began to teach this. When Jesus shed his blood, he purchased you, the Bible says. He purchased you. That's why Paul said, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. The price is the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, you can't give him something that's not yours to give. He bought you. He purchased you. And now you belong to him. You can't give him anything. And I understand the point. It was a song of consecration and we should be consecrated unto God. But he wanted to drive home the point that our bodies, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits belong to God. That's why when you start to understand the teaching Paul did about being a bondservant of Christ, uh, you know, some translations render that word as slave. I am a slave of Christ. But slave is really the wrong word because the word doulos is bondservant. And the word bondservant is interesting because what it means is 
A bondservant was a person who used to be a slave. But when their time of slavery was up, you know, many times people would go into slavery to pay off their debts. And so once their debt was paid or once their time in that servitude was over, a bondservant was a person who loved his, his slave family so much, the person they were working for. They, they loved them so much, had developed such a relationship with that family that they made a decision, you know what, I'm not leaving. I'm not going to go back to my own life. I'm going to stay here with this family because I've become part of their family. And so there, was, there were things they did. Uh, in the Old New Testament uh, to ensure that bondservant would stay. So a bondservant is somebody who is a slave by choice. Think about that. A slave by choice, meaning I desire to stay. I desire to serve. I desire to be a part of this family. So when Paul said that, what he was actually saying was, I am a bondservant of Christ. I choose to serve the Lord. I want to be a part of this family. I choose to be a servant of God. I, I've made my choice. And, that, and that's the key for every person that uh, belongs to God is that I don't want, I've given, I've already given my, my will and my desire over to the Lord. I want to be a servant of God. He owns me. I've given myself fully to him. That's consecration. I, I don't, so think about it in this sense. Because I've chosen to be a bondservant of Christ because I've chosen to give myself totally to him. I don't even have the right. I don't even have the right anymore to make my own choices. Think about that. So when you, when you start thinking about that, you know, um, you know, when it comes to the uh, fruit of the spirit, I don't have a choice on whether or not I can walk in love because I don't belong to myself. I don't have a choice about whether or not I can walk in joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Why? I already belong to Christ. And it's I, I, since I belong to him, my actions should mirror what his commands say. Man, that's powerful. That is powerful. That's powerful. I pray for Hannah Letty in Jesus' name. I pray that her teeth and her gums be touched by the power of God. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray for every one of you as well. But I want you to see this today. And, and Carolyn is going to be back with me tomorrow, by the way. She couldn't do it today, but she had an appointment. But she's going to be back tomorrow to join me on this subject. And, and I'm telling you, why are Christians sick? One of the main reasons, and I'm going to have to get into more of this tomorrow, but this needed to be heard. Uh, one of the main reasons that we battle so much is that we don't obey the mighty word of God. We don't follow the instructions of the Lord, and we're not using the wisdom of God. Not using the wisdom of God. I'm convinced 60 to 70% of what the body of Christ is battling would be wiped out if people would obey the word of God and literally just use wisdom in their life and let the Holy Spirit guide them. You know, later in his life, I heard Brother Hagin say this, and it's not fasting, but, you know, I heard him say this that, you know, there comes a time where you have to understand when enough is enough. And he said the Lord began to, um, deal with him and was convicting him. And he said, you know, he'd come to dinner and he used to eat like crazy. He said, but I got to the place now where I would come to dinner and I would eat my meal. They would put my meal in front of me. I would eat my meal. And then when other people were going back for seconds and thirds, I would push my chair back. He said, I would eat my meals until I was satisfied and full, but I wouldn't go beyond there. I wouldn't go, be I wouldn't go beyond that. I wouldn't eat past being satisfied, eat past being full. And he said, the Lord dealt with me. And in fact, I'll finish with this story before I pray for you. This is such a powerful thought. 
things like that can become an idol or a stronghold in our life. And I want to deal with this for a moment because it, it, it happens all the time. It happens all the time that many times we're eating or we're doing things like that where because of there's other things that are going on in our lives. You know, we know that that's true. We've heard the term emotional eating. And really, there's a healing that needs to take place in another area of somebody's life that they're not dealing with. Maybe they're battling in their relationships, battling in their mind, they're battling financially, there's other things going on, and people are not getting healing, they're not getting deliverance in the areas where the devil's attacking, and as a result, their outlet is to do some of these other things that give them a comfort in the flesh, but it really is also destroying their flesh. It's not now. Now it's not just their mind and their emotions and their, uh, you know, their spirit being being attacked, aggravated and and destroyed. Now their physical body is being destroyed, in the same way. And so there there are things like that that are going on. But what happens is it becomes an idol. It becomes something that you. It ends up becoming an addiction. You can't get free from it. And it's like every time something happens, you go right back to that again, going right back, and then you use food as a comfort. And it's it's not right. And so I remember Brother Hagin telling this story. He said when he was younger, he would work, he was working a job, and then he would go and every day he'd walk to that job and walk back. And every single day, they used to have those like pharmacies where you could get you'd go in and sit at the counter and they'd have, you know, some food and they'd have like a uh they'd have all kinds of like uh bottles of Coca-Cola and all that stuff. And he said, as he'd walk back and forth to that that job every day, he had to pass that, that pharmacy type place that had the, the Coke and all that. And he said, every time he would pass it, he'd say, you know what? I'm going to go in and get a bottle of Coke. And he'd go inside and sit up on the thing and order an ice cold glass bottle of Coke. And he would drink it. And then he'd go and then coming back through, he'd pass the place again. He'd say, you know what? I'm going to go in and get another bottle of Coke. And he'd go in and drink it. And then, you, then, then it came day after day, every time. And this, this was his own confession. He said, every single time that I would pass the, um, the place, I would go in and get another Coke. And then I'd pass it again, go in. He said, it got to the place in my life where I could not pass that place without going in to get a bottle of Coke. And he said, I would drink Coke after Coke after Coke. And, uh, and he said, I couldn't even pass the building without going inside to get a Coke. And he said, it, it became a realization to me that now I am controlled by Coca-Cola. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't drugs or cigarettes or alcohol. It was Coca-Cola. And he said, I came to the realization in my life that I'm controlled by Coca-Cola. And he said, it made him angry. And he said, he made a decision. Not that Coca-Cola is a sin, obviously, but he made a decision. He said, from this day forward, I refuse to let Coca-Cola rule and control my life. And he said, from this day forward, I will never drink another sip of Coca-Cola. And he was telling us this story in his 80s, in his 80s. And he said, from that day till this, you know, that was when he was a young man. So probably 50 to 60 years. He said, from that day to this, I've never touched another Coca-Cola. Well, why? What happened? It started to control his life. It started to control his actions. Couldn't even pass a building without going in and drinking a Coca-Cola. And so you have to understand, you've got to take control over your physical body wants and desires. 
And I'll finish with this verse of scripture that backs that up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul's teaching about his body uh, and teaching the Corinthians what they should do with their body. Listen to the verse 27. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And he's talking about sin here. But understand what he has to do. Paul said, and he was, other than Christ, the most powerful apostle in New Testament, my opinion. God gave him the ability to, to write about almost two-thirds of the New Testament by the Holy Spirit. He said, I deal with my body on a daily basis. I put it under and make it do what it should That's self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit. I make it do what it should so that after having preached to others, I would not be disqualified myself. So there is a control. You can take control over your physical body, the power of the Holy Spirit. You do not have to be in this endless uh, cycle of sickness after sickness, disease after disease, and things that continue to pile up because we're not caring for our physical body. You can take control by the power of the Holy Spirit. And decide, my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to decide from this day forward to care for the temple of God. To care for what God has given me. And take practical steps. That, you know, people always look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Where Paul wrote Timothy and said, now physical exercise profits only a little. But godliness is profitable unto all things. And people always use that scripture to say, see, exercise only does a little bit. (laughs) Exercise only does a little bit for you. Yes, in comparison to godliness, in comparison to obeying the word of God, yes, physical exercise looks like it only carries a small benefit. Obviously, because godliness or obeying God's word affects every aspect of your life, your spirit, your soul, your body, your finances, your family, your peace, your joy, everything. So yes, obviously, in comparison to godliness, physical exercise is going to look like it doesn't profit that much. However, it does profit. <laughs> it does profit. And you need to take care of your body. Hey, Ted and Ashley, love you. You do need to take care of your body. You should be doing something daily to take care of your body. I did a podcast on this not long ago and talked about five areas of your life that you must master. Five areas of your life that you must master and do something every day that is leading towards that goal in every one of the five areas. And one of the five was your physical body and that you need to be doing something on a daily basis to take care of your body. Whether you go on a walk and walk two miles or you go to the gym and lift some weights or you do some cardio or whatever you might do, take a step to take care of this physical body that God has given you, the temple of the Holy Spirit, so that you can run long and strong. And so that you can take care of what God's given you and not be flippant with it, but be a good steward of what God's given you. A good steward of what, I mean, I could go into Matthew 25 and talk about the parable of the talents, but just know this, God has given you control over your physical body and he expects to have fruit be produced from your physical body, not for you to go and drive it into the ground. He doesn't want you sick. He doesn't want you diseased. He wants you to run long and strong in the Holy Ghost, long and strong in your purpose, in your calling, your ministry, your family. I'm going to take a minute right now to pray for every person that needs healing who's watching the broadcast today. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, 
I pray now for those that have written in uh, with prayer requests, believing for their family members. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would touch them by the power of your spirit. Touch them by your glory. I curse sickness and disease in the mighty name of Jesus, and I command it to run from their body and run from their house in Jesus' name. We declare, Lord, whatever cannot harass Jesus Christ cannot harass us because we're in covenant with him and seated in heavenly places. And so now I command every sickness and every disease to leave your physical body and to loose its grip and hold on you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I lose healing virtue into your body and into your family and loved ones now in Jesus' mighty name. We declare it done. We give you praise, glory, and honor, Lord. You're the only one that gets the glory for these things. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. I love you guys. Listen, if you receive that, I want you to put some hands, emoji hands in the comments section. Throw them up. If you receive that prayer, shout aloud amen and throw some emoji hands up in the comments section. Thank you, Chad, for sowing a seed. Listen, I want you to follow Chad's example today. Those of you that uh, are watching, I wanna encourage you to sow a seed into this ministry today uh, financially and stand with us. You can do it uh, on miracleword.com. Uh, you can do it with PayPal. Use the email address info at miracleword.com. Or if you'd like to in Periscope or Facebook, you can put hashtag donate in the comment section like Chad did. And so right here in the comments, I want to encourage you to sow. Now listen, every person in the month of November, that is sowing in partnership with us at $85 or more this month, we're going to be sending you four over four hours of teaching on the subject we're teaching about why are Christians sick and how you can be free. Uh, in this album, as you, you can see there's, there's four different uh, discs that we're going to send you that are going to teach you uh, about not only why Christians are sick, but we go in depth in teaching on methods of healing, how to receive healing. We go in depth on how to minister healing to other people. Because I know there's many people that are watching that you want to lay hands on the sick and see success, praying for the sick and watching them recover. We deal with that for over an hour in this, in this uh, package. Why are Christians sick and how you can be free? So for every person that's sowing this month, at $85 or more to partner with us, to stand with us in the month of November. We're going to send you this album, Why Are Christians Sick? Thank you, David. I appreciate you standing with us and sewing. We're going to stand with you and believe God for miracles in your life, miracles in your family. Let me just encourage you, those of you that are watching and you're standing with us in partnership. The Bible says that the works that Jesus did, you will also do them. And greater works than these because he went to be with his father in heaven. What, that was John 14, 12. And what Jesus was teaching was the same miracle working power that was on the inside of him and still is today is the same miracle working power that's on the inside of your life as well. And that you have the ability to do just what he did. You have the ability to do just what he did and greater works. Why does it say greater? Because we have so much more time, so much more time to work the works of God than Jesus did. He only had three and a third years. Some of us have been in the body of Christ for decades. We've got so much more time to produce the works of Christ. So Carol, for every person that's partnering with us this month at $85 or more, we're going to send you this uh this uh, message on and this uh, this package really over four hours of teaching on why are Christians sick 
and how you can be free. And this is going to be a blessing to you, man. I'm telling you, this is going to be a great blessing to you guys. Terry Myers, I love you guys so much. And uh, I appreciate your family. And uh, we're praying for you. Love your husband so much and all you're doing for the kingdom. And uh, thanks for joining me today. And I got I to gotta give, give your husband a call soon and tell him how much I love him and appreciate him. But um, we do pray for you. Carolyn and I pray for you guys and, uh, and, and I appreciate what you're doing for the Lord, man. We really, really do. That's two powerful people right there. Um, God bless you. God bless you, Taya. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praying in tongues while drinking hot cocoa. Uh, as people are sowing their seeds, if you have... Uh, any questions at the end of this broadcast, I'll take them here for a few minutes, um, and then we'll be back tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Uh, my wife, Carolyn, is going to be back with us tomorrow, which I'm very excited about, and uh, I always miss her when she's not on the broadcast, and I know you guys, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll pray for Eric. Thank you, Joe. Love you. I'm very proud of Joe. Uh, stepped out into full-time ministry and evangelism, and uh, God's using him to preach the gospel, see people healed, saved. That's right, Danny. That's the easiest theology lesson anybody will ever get. God is good, and the devil is bad. Love you, Mason. Appreciate all you're doing for the kingdom of God. God's been opening doors for Mason to speak and preach. And uh, how old are you, Mason? Are you 19, 18? <clears throat> and he's been running through in obedience and preaching the word. And uh, God's using him. I believe we're going to have a mighty, mighty move of the Holy Ghost among our young people in America like we've never seen. Thank you, Angela. I appreciate that. I know Brittany loves Carolyn. Britt loves Carolyn. Alyssa loves Carolyn. <laughs> 16. Mason's 16 years old and preaching the gospel. Thank you, Taya. Love you guys. Any questions at all before we end the broadcast today? And of course, tomorrow morning. Is tomorrow Thursday already? Man. This week is flying. Oh, by the way, let me say this. I forgot to I forgot to mention it. But starting this Sunday, starting this Sunday morning through the whole week, Sunday through Sunday, I'm going to be in Worthington, West Virginia uh, at Calvary Temple Assembly of God. If you are, and that's right outside of Fairmont, Morgantown, if you don't know where that area is, the Fairmont, West Virginia area, the Morgantown, West Virginia, where the university is. Um, but let me just say, if you're anywhere close, if you're in the Ohio area, if you're in the Pennsylvania area, if you're in the West Virginia area, I'm telling you, get there. It's going to be a powerful, powerful week at Calvary Temple. And I want to see you there. It's going to be awesome. So we start this coming Sunday morning and Sunday night through the whole week and then the next Sunday as well. So you're not going to want to miss this. All of the details are on the website. Uh, if you need the address, it's on the website. We put it up on social media. Uh, you'll see the orange advertisement for this meeting. If you need directions to the church, um, any of that. If you need any um, information about hotel accommodations, Send us a message at, uh, send Jenna a message, Jenna at MiracleWord.com, Jenna, J-E-N-N-A, at MiracleWord.com, and if you need hotel accommodations, you're traveling in from somewhere else, we can tell you the best places to stay in the area, and uh, I'm just encouraging you guys, you, you're going to want to get there, because I am fired up, and this is going to be a powerful, powerful week in the Holy Ghost, and uh, with my Uncle Tim Shuttlesworth, who pastors, that's the church I grew up I grew up in. Yeah, my father is preaching in Indiana. Uh, I believe 
if I'm correct, tonight is the final night uh, of that meeting. Uh, he's in Peru, Indiana, and um, with Pastor Palmer. All that information is at tedshuttlesworth.com. That's a great question, Sarah. Sarah's asking, uh, Paul talks about taking communion in an unworthy manner and that being a reason for sick people in the body of Christ too. Could you elaborate more on that? What exactly is an unworthy manner? Um, two things. Two things, Sarah. Um, number one, when Paul was teaching on that to the, to the church in Corinth, the first thing he was teaching is that number one, you should not take it sinfully. Meaning, if you're not living right before the Lord, if you have things against other people, you should make those things right first. You should um, you, you should uh, make sure sin is out of your life. Repent, get right before the Lord. If you have things against others, make it right. They actually said, leave what you're doing there. Go find the person, make it right, and come back. Uh, but secondly, it was this. According to Paul's teaching, they were treating the communion meal like it was any other normal meal. They were just treating it like it was breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And what, what Paul was teaching was that the rich people were eating a bunch of it like it was a meal and not leaving any for the poor. And so they'd sit down at tables and eat communion like it was their major dinner. And then the poor people would come to partake in the body and blood of Christ and there'd be none left because the rich people ate it all flippantly, treating it like a meal. And that it needs to be understood that it's a holy time. It is a consecrated time where we are doing what Christ commanded us to do, that every time we think or are in remembrance of what he's done for us with redemption, that we should partake in that communion meal. And it's a supernatural meal. I like how Bishop Oyedepo calls it the miracle meal because it actually holds power to make you well. And that's what that's talking about, Sarah. That's why he taught like that. Thank you, Danny. I'm looking forward to being back at Boomerang coming in January. Jack, we fire Jenna every week. Then we bring her back on. <laughs> Catherine, I've never been up to preach in the Yukon Territory. Um, I would love to do it. I would love to do it. I go anywhere I'm invited. And I would love to come and be a part of uh, what God's doing in the Yukon Territory. I love you guys. I'll give you a couple more seconds. If there's any other questions, I'm happy to do my best to answer them. I love spending time with you guys. And thanks for joining me today, man. I really appreciate it. The Miracle Mural. And, and that's actually a book he released. <clears throat> What's up, Johnny? That's actually a book Bishop Oedepo released. Um, talking about the power of the communion meal. It's, it's, like a, it's like a mini book, but it's powerful, man. Powerful. Uh, there's no set time, Brittany, as far as how often do you take communion. Uh, Jesus just said as often as you uh, remember him or, or remember the things. You know, Smith Wigglesworth took communion every single day. So there's no, there's no limit. I mean, you can do it as often as you're appreciative of the redemptive covenant. Uh, Jamisha says, could fear open a door to sickness? Yes. And, and actually, Job, Job said that it did in the book of Job. He said, the, he said, the thing that I've greatly feared has come upon me. So yes, fear. Uh, yeah, I know. I remember, Johnny. I remember who you are. I love you, man. You always were dressed so sharp and had the uh, awesome black and white two-tone wingtip shoes. And I, I remember exactly who you are, man. Love you. Um, yeah, for sure. Fear can do that. Uh, and Job said it does. In fact, Ted and Ashley, I love you guys very much too. Very much. Um, so yes, to answer your question, Jamisha, fear is the absence of faith. The Bible says in uh, the book of Romans, anything that is not of faith is sin. 
And so you can, you, can, uh, you can open the door to the attack of the devil through living in fear, walking in fear. Sarah, that's a great question. What age uh, can your kids begin to take communion? I always say this, as, um, as early as they can understand redemption, as early as they can understand what Jesus did for us. You know, my daughter, Brooklyn, is, is six years old, and she's now fully understanding um, what, what Jesus did and understanding her need for a Savior. She was literally going through her homeschool books, and they were talking about how a person gets saved. And she said, you know, I don't know, um, I don't know that I've prayed that prayer, Mommy. I need to ask Jesus to be my Savior. So we, we allow her to take part because she understands it. That's hilarious, Johnny gluten-free communion i'm sure they you know it's funny though i bet they offer i bet they offer it that's hilarious thank you for watching man i appreciate you love you very much bro great musician and a great great guy all around johnny phoenix went to bible school with him and played in the in the band with him and everything killer guy amazing guy i love you guys thanks for hanging out and thanks for uh sending questions don't forget to send me vision 2020 info at miracleword.com november the 27th wednesday 10 30 a.m we're going to be having that special prayer and breakthrough service on facebook live youtube and periscope and uh, you're not going to want to miss that love you guys so much and uh, david thank you again for sowing every person that sowed a seed today uh we appreciate you we love you uh, I'll answer that one more. How do you get fear of sickness out of you? I'm a nurse, so it makes me afraid when I get an ailment. It's a real problem. Uh, listen, Carol, the teaching and preaching of God's word builds faith within the believer. Carol, I would tell you this. <clears throat> excellent, excellent question, Carol, too. Um, one of the things I would suggest for you personally to do is to get some books that were written about Dr. John G. Lake. John G. Lake. Um, he had such an understanding of the fact that the power of God dwells on the inside of your body, that it rejects all sickness and disease. And, and by faith, you can live in that place that your body begins to reject it. I can't remember the last time I was sick. I promise you, within the last 20 years, I can't remember the last time that I was sick or had to go to the hospital for sickness or disease. And uh, you can live in that way. You can live in that way. So John G. Lake. Yeah. Yeah. We will, Britt. Love you and Jake. Thanks for hanging, guys. I appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow morning. 10.30 a.m. right here, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, for part three of this, uh, how you can gain victory over sickness and disease. Don't forget, Carolyn will be back tomorrow and hopefully Friday as well. Love you guys, and we'll talk to you very soon. Have a powerful and a blessed day. Love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.